0: Welcome back to Hodge Fudge. I'm your host, Allison Klakowitz. Today's guest is Landis Wade, a retired trial attorney who held a career in law for 35 years. He went on to become an award winning author and host of the Charlotte Readers Podcast, which was named Charlotte's best podcast in 2019. His podcast is where he encourages authors to read and talk about their award-winning published and emerging works In his third book, the Christmas Redemption, he won the Holiday Category of the 12th Annual National Indie Excellence Awards and was the 2018 Honorable Mention in the 10th Annual Reader's Favorite Awards. He's an active participant in the North Carolina writing community and his goal is to use the medium of podcasting to build a community of readers and writers where authors give voice to their written words. Today, we will be talking about his journey transitioning from a career in law to becoming a novelist and podcaster. Stay tuned. Welcome to Hodgepodge Landis.
1: Hey, Allison, I'm so uh, happy to be here. Thank you for having me on HodgePodge.
0: Yes, I'm thrilled and honored to have you here. And I cannot wait for you to tell your tale. You're so used to talking to everyone else about their books and their how how they came to their inspiration. Um, and so I just think it's going to be a really fun um, and interesting conversation with you. So with that, <laughs> how does a retired trial attorney go on to publish a
1: Christmas-themed book series? <laughs> well, you, you keep it quiet from your partners while you're working on it. That's the first thing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I think uh, all, all lawyers think they have one book in them, right? So it's just a matter of sitting down to work on it. But I, I was... Uh, sort of in my mid 50s and I was uh you know the kids were gone I've been coaching many years they weren't around to watch ball games I was looking for something different to do and uh, I'd always kind of been writing but I never was finishing anything I don't know if you ever had that experience but uh, um,
0: never <laughs>
1: <laughs> right right but you know you would start something and uh then the real world would invade and you would put it aside and you would never get back to it well that that was sort of my story over the years i would i would I would write you know some pieces, but never really get serious about it and then uh there was just this one thanksgiving uh in two thousand fourteen and um i was uh in my study I was working on a short story that i was probably not going to finish it was it was i think it was an assault case or something and uh, mm. i heard i heard in the other room uh my wife watching. Uh, Her favorite uh, Christmas movie, Miracle on 34th Street, which she (laughs) puts in every Thanksgiving, you know, and it comes to that scene where, you know, they come into the courtroom and and the mail delivery comes in. They dump all the letters on the desk and the lawyer proves that he's the one and only Santa Claus. And, you know, everybody claps and everybody's happy. And I thought, I wonder if I could uh, turn this story into a Christmas story and, you know, set it all in the courtroom, you know, day and a half before, before Christmas. And I did. I switched what I was doing. I started writing. Um, I kind of kept it a little bit of a, there's a little bit of an assault thing in there, but uh, it it turns very quickly. And Mm -hmm. I thought, this is kind of fun. And so every night when I got home from work, uh, my wife would say, you know, where are you going? I said, well, I'm going to find out what happens next. (laughs) <laughs> so because she was aware; she knew she, that she, you were she, working on this. She, she well, she knew I was working on a story. She, neither one of us knew I was working on a book. I mean, I you know I was just working on a, a fun story, and it was keeping me engaged through that period of time from Thanksgiving to Christmas. Sometimes courts slowed down a little bit during that period, so in the evenings I had a little time to work, and so I, I was just so it was very exciting. I didn't have an outline. I did all the things that authors. Mm-hmm aren't supposed to do right you know i just jumped right in and i was writing and what i was doing is i was creating these witnesses as characters and i would put them up on the witness stand start asking a bunch of questions and i was surprised at the answers they were giving me (laughs) and so so every time that you know i'd get an answer i didn't expect it would take me down a different rabbit hole and you know i got further down further down i just kept writing 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 and i thought you know i might finish this by christmas and I, i kind of set a goal of doing it and you know it got to be christmas eve and i was pretty close uh wasn't quite there but i stayed at it and uh finished it at about eleven forty five christmas eve printed it off put it under the tree for the family you thought i would have given the kids socks or something you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> fortunately they had other stuff that we had bought for them besides this story that dad had written but right uh, yeah. And so anyway, oh. that, that that was that was the genesis of, of this thing. And so what happened was it kind of leaked out. It, you know, my my parents read it, you know, they shared it with somebody, a law partner read it, he shared it with somebody. And then it kind of got around and people, you know, a couple months later, I was talking to one of my law partners who'd actually written a real book and uh, had it published. And I said to him, you know, how'd you get this done? And, you know, he told me, and, and the whole process of trying to get an agent and going to you know, traditional publisher. And I was like, you know, I don't want to wait. I really don't want to, I kind of want to, I want to kind of want to get this out in the world because my parents were aging. And if I was going to do this, I thought, you know, I wanted to get it done. So he referred me to, uh, to Nora Gaskin at uh, Leicester Books. I reached out to her. She read what I'd done, thought it was pretty good. But as a first time author knew that I needed to do a little work on it and help me with a few things. And uh, so she took me on and we uh, worked together and created that uh, created that first book to get it out by Christmas in 2015. And, uh, wow. You know, it was and so now much you fun. have three. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I thought it was just going to be one book, but I had so much fun doing it that I started thinking after that Christmas, I wonder what would happen if, you know. I, and so it's that whole what if thing. And I started messing around. I thought, I, I know I got an idea for another story. And at that time, I didn't think there would be more than two books. I didn't know if there would be a series. I didn't know what. And it wasn't until I had that good idea for the third book that I said, you know, this is really this is really time I should wrap this up in a trilogy because I had a good idea for how to really dive into the backstory of what I like to call the evildoer. You know, the, the mm-hmm. one who's trying to trying to frustrate everything in the in the first uh, two books and so I I decided to bring it all together in a trilogy which I wrapped up with uh, that book in 2000 Christmas of 2018 Uh, so yeah it was a it was a fun fun thing to do Uh, and uh, you know my law partners kind of came around to the idea they helped me uh, you know talk (laughs) it up talk it up came to my book signings and that kind of thing but uh, I still had my day job during that period so it wasn't like I was uh spending too much time during the day doing any writing right you were
0: you're in the courtroom or preparing right. for your cases and exactly. Exactly. <laughs> i just love it i want you to t- i want to tell you though my my son and i read the christmas Heights last week oh, and great. um and i we loved it and I cried at the end. I want you to know it <laughs> evoked every emotion in me. It was the sweetest story and um, I loved Judge Stark, yeah. <laughs> and each of the characters um you really put a lot of um forethought into uh developing your characters and it's it's very, really hard to develop really solid stories let alone dialogue and characters and you did a brilliant job and then tying in your experience within the courtroom obviously uh that expertise helped you do this so masterfully but you know I thought it was like um a mix and it, 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 there was almost like a Jimmy Stewart character too who <laughs> Is that correct, yeah. Raker? Yeah. I felt like he was like, you know, uh, it's a wonderful life. Like he's trying to be the good guy and his Elizabeth trying to, you know, but it, there's the Jimmy Stewart and then there's the Andy Griffith kind of courtroom (laughs) feel to it and um and a lot of these the Christmas story, you know, you can go one and one and of course Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, but it's all the classic tales um that we love and identify with, but you gave it a really clever and modern spin on on that that classic Christmas message. Um, And honestly, I'm like, someone needs to make a movie. I need to see a movie. We would love it. I just From
1: from your mouth to Netflix or whatever. Yeah. First of all, first of all, Alison, thank you so much for this, for those kind words. That's, that's very nice. I really appreciate that. It it was, uh, and and when you said that, and you talked, you talked about the tears. One of the touching things for me was when my dad, You know, when he got the printed copy of the book and he was sitting there reading, I came over one evening to their house and he was finishing it up. And when he finished it up, he looked up at me and he had tears in his eyes. And I was like, this is this this was worth, you know, yes, the book, because he just said, you know, that that was great because, you know, my my grandfather uh, was a really good writer. He was a sports writer. He was known uh, throughout the state. Um, uh, He was an editor for. Charlotte Observer, and uh, he had a sports column called Jake Wade Sports Parade, and everybody knew him.
0: Oh wow! Uh, and who is and, your uh, grandfather? Uh,
1: his name is Jake Wade. Okay. Uh, and uh, he was, he he worked for the Observer for many years, and a couple other papers, and then for, and then he was the sports uh, information director at the University of Chapel Hill during the era of Charlie Choo Choo Justice. Okay. Uh, which, Many people don't remember because they're not doing much forward passing then. But uh, anyway, it was it was <laughs> it was it was a time. Um, and so I, I kind of like, you know, thinking I've got some connection, although as I look at his work, he's very much a better writer than I am. But he, um, but but it that I've got to hope that there's a gene in there somewhere that got passed along because I'm I thinking. Yeah. I'm thinking there is. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I just, because I hadn't done a lot of studying of it until I actually started a podcast, which we'll talk about later, where I did get, yeah. I have I have learned a lot from authors in that role. But yes, thank you so much for those kind words. Uh, for me, it was just um, such a pleasure to put the story out and have people, you know, resonate with it and, and 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 take take joy in it.
0: Definitely. And right now, I think we all need all the joy. So it was such a, wonderful escape from kind of what we have been living through this uh spring <laughs> in right. our um social distancing and uh quarantine life and and getting to think about something a little bit more magical and uh bigger than our daily struggles and and it, it's great, and can't wait to start the next two. And you won
1: a, a big award for your uh, most recent book. Yeah, thank you. Uh, the third book, which is uh, the Christmas Redemption, won the uh, National Indie Excellence Book Award in the Holiday category, and so that was that was very gratifying. I I did keep the whole modern era, you know, going with the books. Uh, you know, as you know, with the first book, there was the flash drive. And mm-hmm. there's the, the whole way that uh, Christmas uh, requests get recorded now from the kids, it's, it, it's not a naughty nice list in paper anymore. We've got to do it electronically. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I kept that there and that. And in the Legally Binding Christmas, which was in the second book, uh, we start having, you know, drones as delivery services and that kind of thing. And then <laughs> in the third, the third book, the one you were just talking about, the Christmas redemption, where it all comes together, uh, we have the Reindeer Hoverboard. And the reindeer hoverboard uh, is, <laughs> is, is the subject of a class action lawsuit because uh, it doesn't work according to all the people who bought it, unless of course they are true believers. And of course, oh. uh, you know, to be a true believer, you have to believe in Santa Claus. And so, you know, it does work for some people but it don't work for others. Therein lies the problem, you know? So, right. So.
0: And the way that you're able to uh, bring justice literally to, <laughs> to these trials um it's great and i also love the um courtroom reporter and his tweets in the in the first one so i don't know if they're still tweeting along in the in the next ones but it it, it's really it's so great i just loved it um do you have do you have any tips for aspiring novelists out there um any any tidbits you've learned on the way that you think you could pass on?
1: You know, I've learned um, that everybody has a story to tell, and that they shouldn't shy away from from telling it. That uh, you know, when you start writing, uh, you're obviously learning. There're going to be some bumps in the road, but uh, always get uh, you know some help and guidance uh, as you do it, because um, even the best of authors, um, the, the ones that I think are doing it the right way, or getting someone else to look at their work. They're getting editors to look at it, give them feedback. So, I think one of the main tips I would make is, yeah, you know, tell your story, write your story, but then you know, hire an editor to look at your work, help you with the sort of the developmental editing aspect of it, and also uh, some of the other things you need to be thinking about. Because it's it's hard for an author sometimes to see uh, the bigger picture of the story when they're so close to it, and I'm still learning a lot about writing um the more I the more I write. And uh it, it's just so valuable to have a third party look at, you know, what you've written and offer feedback. And I would say this though it's hard. Uh listen closely and accept the feedback and don't defend your work, uh, because you know, if someone else doesn't understand or doesn't resonate with what you're what you're saying, it's not their fault it's the author's fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so listen, listen to those uh, people that you hire. And uh, that's what I did. I listened to, to my editor and when, when she said, you should change this, I, I changed it. It was, you know, something I needed to work on. So, Yes. Oh, great.
0: I haven't published mine yet. We talked about that earlier, but mm-hmm. definitely working toward that and realizing I think that was one thing in, in my journey to getting to the point of where I feel a lot more confident about the manuscript I have now is that the editing process is crucial. And if you're not open to constructive criticism, then I don't know, you're not going to have a very good uh, manuscript. So um, yeah, that's great advice. So with that, um, how did Charlotte readers podcast come along?
1: Yeah. So the timeline I gave you, you know, I was talking about the books that came out in uh, 2015, 2016, 2017. Well, in 2018, I made a decision that I was going to retire from the law practice at the end of that year after being a, a, a civil trial lawyer for 35 years here in Charlotte. Um, I just wasn't, you know, I, I was turning 61. I was I, I was feeling like I'd accomplished a number of things. And I just what I, I didn't want my legacy necessarily to be Um, just handling legal cases and I wasn't as energized although I really had a lot of good friends at the law firm and I enjoyed uh, I actually enjoyed the the trial work uh, part of it when you're in court but being a trialer is so much more to being in the courtroom there's all the stuff that goes with it so I said I need to do something different and I said "Um, I want to stay connected to writers and authors I don't want to be a solitary figure. I don't want to be holed up, you know, just writing all the time. And I said, "What can I do that can keep me in touch with the writing community?" And I said, "Oh, I know. I'll do something I don't know a thing about. I'll start a podcast." And I said, <laughs> "And I said, I know. I'll go and I and I looked into it and I kind of did some research and tried to search for podcasts in Charlotte in the area, and I couldn't find any podcasts that were doing author interviews or or." or where they were having authors read their work. Even on a national scale, there wasn't as much of authors reading and talking about their work. And I said, okay, uh, let me talk to some more people. And it turned out that the massage therapist who worked on my back had been a DJ in Austin. and She knew a little bit about, <laughs> so we, she talked to me about audio and she actually went with me to the first uh, time I tried to do this where uh, I got a couple of fr- friends from my critique group and I said, you're going to be my first episode. I don't know if this is going anywhere, but come to the studio and we'll talk and we did. And I thought I'd lost the audio file, I couldn't find it. So that was, that was how I kind of got started with it. And that was, I was experimenting with it kind of toward the latter part of 2018, thinking, you know, okay, I'll do a trial run with, um, you know, 10 or 11 episodes with me interviewing authors and having them read their work. Um, And that's what I did. And when I retired in December, 2018, I said, "Yep, I'm going to do this full time and just give it a shot and see what happens." Because it was a lot of fun to sit down and interview authors, find out, mm-hmm. you know, what 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 it was that, you know, the same kind of questions you're asking me. What what inspired you to write this book? What, what you know, what did you hope people would get out of it? How did you go about it? We so we I built this Charlotte Readers podcast where authors give voice to the written words with the goal of, you know, connecting readers and writers and uh the idea being that there are shows out there radio and podcasts um, that will occasionally have you know a guest on who has a book but not something necessarily that's uh, you know local and regional so i started out with the idea it would be local then then it has expanded to be regional writers so we do north carolina and south carolina and we've we've done some virginia tennessee and georgia too but uh, so in about 18 months i have uh released uh, about 105 episodes and i've in those podcast episodes i've interviewed about 120 authors and and of course i've done some advanced recording allison as you know because mm-hmm. <laughs> you are going to be you are going to be Yay! on the podcast yeah uh, july <laughs> we got to put a little thing out there now july 3rd uh listeners you can uh, hear Allison talk about her book, The Big Red Monster Truck, which makes me <laughs> smile every time I give that title. I was telling somebody the other day about the title of the book. I said, Does that, doesn't that book just sound like a book that you want you know, uh, to read to, to a child? <laughs> my, my mommy's cool because she's got a big red monster truck. So, <laughs> so a- Allison is going to be on my uh, July 3rd, uh, what I'm calling the uh, Friday show. It's the under the cover show. Um, I started out in 2019 with just one show a week it was it's an hour-long show on tuesdays um but i I was getting so many submissions from so many good authors i had to figure out a way to you know get more authors on the show and so i came up with this idea of doing this uh 25 minute show on fridays where we quote get under the covers we find Mm -hmm. out what's inside the book and before we get there we talk about the cover and all that and so i've added that so now we've got two shows and uh you know it's been great it's been a real joy to meet authors like you and others and hear their stories but it has affected my writing a little bit uh you know it's uh, like the cobbler you know has no shoes right so it's uh, <laughs> uh, uh i've spent a lot of time doing this but i'm actually getting to where the systems are getting in place where i'm starting actually to work on that next uh that next book so oh that's uh, great yeah, well that yeah. was
0: going to be a, another question what was yeah. on the horizon for you so yeah, so you yeah. are
1: yeah I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna dive in i'm gonna try to make the space for it and make make time to do it it's uh i want to keep to the theme of uh writing a little bit about what i know which is uh you know lawyers but uh i'm doing a uh I don't know if that I should get into too much of what I'm thinking, because who knows what it will turn out to be. But I'm, <laughs> i I, I kind of, I'm liking this idea of a lawyer who has a problem early in the book that forces him out of his law firm before he's ready. Um, he's in his sixties. He ends up in a retirement community where a lot of fun things can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a mystery, and uh, I'm thinking about making it historical, dealing with a, a little bit of a historical. Uh, fact in, in Charlotte that uh, will come into the into play so it'll it'll be again light humor but uh, a little bit of a mystery maybe a little suspense trying to solve a you know what is what is a disputed issue in Charlotte history you
0: know oh I love it
1: and yeah. I, I, I you know I've already
0: talked that I love historical <laughs> fiction and then right. I love a good suspense story and have spent a lot of time watching um a lot of uh, suspense and mystery um, show BBC productions (laughs) recently. (laughs) So, but yes, I love a good, a good, um, a good uh, thriller. So this will be, that'll be exciting. Um, You have a connection here in in Fayetteville where I'm located. Uh, Your mom, you said, grew up here and met your father when he was stationed here out of Fort Bragg.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, so my mother grew up in Fayetteville. Um, she uh, she went off for a year to women's college. I think they called it WC at the time. And then she had to come home and, and help her family. And so she was working in Fayetteville, um, I think in a, maybe even a law office or maybe the courthouse or something. But anyway, it was in around 1953, 54. My dad had just graduated from college and uh, the Korean War was going on. So he was He had been in ROTC and and was officer. He went into the 82nd Airborne Division as an officer and that's where he had to jump out of planes and all that kind of thing. And and, (laughs) and, uh, the the funny part is that until uh, my dad's funeral, which was uh, at the end of December, 2018, my children didn't know the story and I didn't fully know it either uh, about how my parents met. Um, My mother had been dating not just dating she had a ring from another officer (laughs) and he was i think he may already have been in korea and he wasn't around and my dad gets there and there's a dance and uh he keeps pressuring her to go to the dance and so the story is that he sort of swept her off her feet they they danced They, they were great dancers over the years too uh but uh I think that this is probably going to make the story too far-fetched, but I think the guy's name was John, because she ended up writing a, <laughs> a dear John letter. <laughs> and uh, she had to send the ring back to his mother or something. But uh, my, my kids' mouths were like falling open. when they're like, Gama, what do you mean you were engaged? Engaged. You know, How- <laughs> <you know." laughs> uh, yes, that can't be. Yes, I love be. it. There's but a... Got, yeah
0: there's a book in that whole story. I there, love that. I can see the whole history leading up there. Struggle, your dad, yeah. you know, with the Korean war, yeah. the, the paratrooper out of Fort uh, Bragg.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. it. I've got this great picture of my dad. He's got a, and he would never, cause he'd always got only about facial hair and mustaches and beards. He had a Mohawk <laughs> and, uh, he had, he you know, those big old, uh, I don't know what they call them, the transons or whatever that they have to parachute out of that are 60 feet up or something. But there's a picture of him standing at the base of that with, with the gear in with his uh, mohawk as they're getting ready to, you know, go up and jump off of that thing to practice their parachuting. <laughs> uh, his really good friend, a really good friend who is uh, with him there, um, only he only joined the... Air jump. I think they got an extra 20, 30 bucks or something if they were, able, were willing to jump. And he said every jump he ever made was a night jump because he had his eyes closed every time he went out. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, so yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah, my, I, uh, yeah my
0: husband, he's coming up, hopefully, when the end of his career. He's been a, yeah. a career um, uh, special forces. And um, uh, we have... A few more years, a couple more okay. years, but yeah. yeah, his time of jumping out of planes is <laughs> yeah. he's closing now, his eyes every time too. I think
1: <laughs> now, now I have to tell you, there's one other connection I have with Fayetteville. It's, and it's uh, when I was young, I was about, I don't know, 11 years old. My dad uh, got this great idea that we would take a trip down the mighty Cape Fair river. And we mm-hmm. would, uh, <laughs> we, we he, he and my brother and me and another man and his two kids who lived around the corner decided we would go to Fayetteville, we'd go to this boat launch, and I can't remember exactly where it is, but it's some park probably, or something. Probably yeah. in Campbellton Landing
0: is what it I might, would
1: assume. It might be, but at the time in 1969, there wasn't right. much to it. It was like, you know, mm-hmm. you went down a little near path and put your boat in, and the water is, I, I, I describe the water as kind of a milky chocolate looking mm-hmm. thing at the time, <laughs> but it, it, you know, they'd had a rain come through and everything, and and we launched uh, those boats. We started to launch those boats, and one of them didn't start. And so here we are. We're supposed to go to Riceville Beach from, Wilmot, from Fayetteville, and they didn't have a map. They didn't have a oh know, compass. Goodness. They didn't know. They had no idea what they were doing. They just figured, you know, if you follow, if you go downstream, eventually you're going to get to Riceville Beach. You know. <laughs> and so that. And so because we couldn't do what we were supposed to do, they just said, all right, we'll leave one boat here. We'll take the skiff, we'll, we'll drag it behind the other boat, we'll all get in the front boat and we'll just go. And and we did. But the Dragging is, the, the dra-
0: hauling dra- the
1: other boat behind. Ha- hauling you. the other boat with a skiff with all <laughs> our supplies and tents and food and everything. And so, you know, there's uh, logs floating in the river, there's all this kind of stuff. We're, you know, and so I wrote this story called the Cape Fear Debacle and I entered it in a contest uh, at the uh, Pamlico Writers and was fortunate to win the uh, first place in their nonfiction contest that year about this trip that my dad took us on because you know the sort of the way I started out the story was I've often wondered what made my dad think that he and a friend could take four young boys on a trip down the Cape Fear River without much planning. (laughs) I now have a a theory and the theory was that it was the summer of 1969 and nothing seemed impossible because astronaut Neil Armstrong had just taken one small step for himself and one giant leap for mankind and Americans everywhere, you know, they had this sense of adventure. And, you know, it was at about that same time that this lunar module, the Eagle landed on the moon in the sea of tranquility, that we launched the boats on the Cape Fear River near Fayetteville <laughs> North Carolina. And, and what I said was we would have been safer landing on the moon (laughs) yes
0: because there's a reason why they call it the Cape Fear and I have a few friends that have had their own interesting um, (laughs) Cape Fear experiences but what a story Yeah, 1969 was a good year my dad graduated from Atlantic Christian College and married my mother in June 1969 so yeah all around there were all kinds of stories being (laughs) being made in 1969. I love that story. Yeah, there. And it, so and it you was, did finally get to Wilmington?
1: Oh, no, no, no. No, If you're familiar with, the, there's three locks on the Cape Fear River between uh, that landing and uh, Wilmington. Mm-hmm. And at the time, you know, they didn't even know what the time of operation was or how they worked. But, but now you can't go through it without a permit or something, I don't think. But we only made it to the first one, the William O. Husk Lock and Dam, um, and almost went over the waterfall because our oh, boat had broken down. Oh, my gosh. And, and, and so we had to camp out, but you couldn't camp out in a state park, which is what was right next to the there. The guy told us, no, he was a state park ranger. He said, you can go across the river. Well, there wasn't much across the river except a bunch of trees and thick. You know what the Cape Fear looks like? facts yes. It's real thick and everything. Mm-hmm. So. So we we did that. So the the story is it was to, we didn't, we never made it past there. But the story goes on to where years later, I'm coming back to Wilmington, uh, coming back to Fayetteville from Wilmington uh, on a trip I had to make, um, and I saw this sign for the William O. Hus Lock and Dam, and I said I wonder if I could still get back there. And so I made it back there, and I found it, and it looked the same. And then about a year later, we're clearing out my parents' attic to find you know, to throw things away, and I find an old bell and Howell projector, and I dig down in this box, and there's these old eight millimeter films, and one of them says Cape Fear Trip 1969, (laughs) and that's where the story came from, because we got it out, we put it up on the wall, and uh, you know, we turned it on, and we could see ourselves back in 1969, and my dad's memory was going at the time, and he couldn't remember some things, he had some dementia, but when that Flickering light hit the wall, and he looked up there. You know, almost tears came to his eyes. He turned to us and he said, "Hey, I tell you what, let's go finish that trip." <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and that, was, that was always sort of the the, 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 the lore, you know, because yes. the, the mothers had to come back from Riceville Beach to pick us up, you know, oh, at that lock. And uh, so, we, all those years, we thought, "Let's go finish the trip." And that was fun. That was that was my other connection. <laughs> To fable. Yeah. And, uh, it it's uh but I would advise people to be careful <laughs> on the Cape Fear, oh Forever. gosh <laughs> yeah, it's, it uh, is it,
0: it there is a reason they made the movie the Cape Fear too, because it yeah. is it's a it can change so fast the um just the tide it it, it runs fast and yeah. all kinds of debris and yep. other things so you definitely have to know the waters well to be able to to navigate it but what a great story anyway Thank you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> so we you've you've said that you're um hopefully working toward your your next book and um that's very exciting i'll i'll be thrilled to to hear more uh, and uh when that comes and so any projects or anything going on with charlotte readers podcast um your yeah. award-winning podcast did we yeah.
1: cover that well <laughs> i don't know if we covered that but thank you for saying it yes yeah. uh, we got we got uh, some recognition there uh, at the end of last year uh queen city nerve said we were one of the best in charlotte so that was nice and we've gotten some press and uh we uh um, yeah so what's going on is that we uh we're putting out two shows a week, and we have a long form show on Tuesdays where we get into sort of a deep dive with a longer novel that uh, an author has and they read some and we talk and then on Fridays we have the under the cover show which is actually just as popular as the as the Tuesday show it's a uh, little shorter but we kind of get in we still have the author read some work and I've got a I've got a Patreon page where I'm putting up additional content we did a we, we did this read in for April, because of the COVID-19, we thought, you know, we need to put something out there. And so I reached out to the authors and 44 authors uh, uploaded uh, essays, uh, poetry, and short stories that they recorded.
0: Mm. And I
1: put those into 18 episodes. And you can find those for free on uh, our Patreon page. Um, It's uh, patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Charlotte Readers Podcast, all one word. And there's also a link on the website that takes you to patreon, but uh, Patreon's normally a site that I have people support the podcast and I give them exclusive content in return. I give them these uh, episodes that I have with authors We talk about writing craft and that type of thing but uh, I've also decided I'm putting up free content there as well and I put those eighteen episodes up uh, for free there also put up uh, the full unedited version of my one hundredth episode with uh Craig Johnson it's an hour and 20 minute episode that's that's free there as well I, I don't know if y'all listen or watch the Longmire series on Netflix but uh, right yeah, yeah it's, it's a fun show and he's written 15 novels and I, I really got into a great conversation with him about writing um he is just such a uh he's very um uh, you know free with his time when it comes to sharing his expertise with others and a lot of good nuggets and information uh in that uh interview. He, he's from this place called Ucross, Wyoming population 25. And I said, Craig, no, seriously, there's 25 people. You told me there were 25 people there three years ago when I met you. He said, well, yes, chamber of commerce is kind of, that's kind of a, we're kind of boom and bust right now. We're down to about 18 people. So, you know, it's, you, so in other words, it's a very remote location, uh, in Wyoming and he's a, a rancher, cowboy rancher, and he's a writer and he puts out some really good, really good work. So we got that going on. And, uh, Lots of good stuff coming this summer. We've got season six that's uh, going. We've got um, about 14 episodes in season six and um, an undercover show every Friday, and you'll be on there this summer. So um, I would you know, encourage people to tune in. It's free to listen to the podcast. It's just Charlotte Readers podcast. You can get it on your uh, any of your podcast apps, um, and you can go to our website and see pictures. They'll be able to see your picture, Allison, on July 3rd. <laughs> when I put it up right. and all and information about your book and that nice cover you got uh, for <laughs> mommy's big red monster trail. Mm-hmm. And
0: um, I'm thrilled to to be a part of it. And, and yes, it's such a, um, an important service that you're providing authors, not only out of North Carolina, but everyone that you're, you're taking the time to share about their hard hard work their their um their books and other uh writing uh accomplishments and things that they're doing and uh definitely uh just so proud to be a part of that and to have you today as a guest so thank you so much for being here and sharing with our listeners today and um uh we're we're just uh i'm i'm thrilled to to have met you and to to have this contact and um and i look forward to
1: to learning more from you in the future this. well allison that's very kind uh, the, the honor is mine i really appreciate uh, being on a on a podcast with a name like hodgepodge because right it's just <laughs> all, all kind of things that uh, you can have on here so uh, again it's it's my honor and uh, Hope people also tune in to listen to you on Charlotte Rear's podcast in July. Yeah, that would be wonderful.
0: Well, thank you. Um, Take care, and we will talk with you soon. Okay, take care. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.